and welcome to Classical Stuff You Should Know, a podcast about books and ideas and whatever we have been reading recently. My name is Thomas Magby. I'm joined as always by Mr. A.J. Hannenberg. That's me. And Mr. Graham Donaldson. Hello. And in regards to today's topic, I just heard the news today. It seems my life is going to change. I closed my eyes, began to pray, and tears of joy streamed down my face with arms wide open. I received this topic. It, it's it's a song by Creed. It's with arms oh. open. We're we're talking about. <laughs> I thought well, it's pretty well, highbrow there. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. It's uh, so also a little strange that you're doing the Spanish translations of Creed. Correct. Credo. We're doing the yeah. credo, hey. yeah, which I thought was a little strange. Yeah. So, <laughs> that is right. Yeah. So we're here to talk about uh, <laughs> Creed and Credo. Uh, Graham, you are leading no, today's. It's, it's Greek. Credo. Credos. Credon. It's yes. Thank, um, you have been working on your foreign languages. I appreciate that. So we, uh, re- I kind of realized that we sort of s- we've been stumbling through the 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 trial and death of Socrates because AJ, you did a Euthyphro episode a couple mm-hmm. of times ago, and I was like, oh, I'll do one on apology, and now we're doing it on Credo or Crito, depending on what was the other pronunciation we were debating before this episode. Guido, Guido, <laughs> hey buddy, uh, um, no, it's Crito or Crito, Crito or Credo. I say Credo, you say Crito. Let's call, Let's call the whole thing off. All right. Um, and so Plato has a bunch of dialogues w- with Socrates, and some of them are just him in the marketplace talking. But then he has sort of four of them that are strung together that kind of make up the last four dialogues of Socrates' life. And it was Euthyphro. When, Euthyphro was st- when Socrates was standing in line to go to the courthouse, and Euthyphro is there to convict his father for murder, they debate the nature of piety. And Socrates, um, it's a great example of Socrates finding somebody who claims special knowledge about, quote-unquote, the higher things, and Socrates wanting to learn the higher things and then realizing that the person he's talking to does not actually know the higher things. Um, The big sort of thing that Socrates wanted was, don't give me examples of piety, Tell me what piety is so I can recognize it. Give me the form of piety, not the examples of piety. Or give me the, um, the type of piety. Don't give me tokens. And then we have the apology, which we talked about on my last episode, which is the, the, the trial of Socrates, where he gives a defense for the rational life, for the philosophical life, and then antagonizes the jury by asking for food. Yes. Um, for, as for, free meals for life. <laughs> and it doesn't go well, and he's convicted to die. And then we get the dialogue called Credo. Um, and Credo, uh, uh, it's got a subtitle. It may be Plato's subtitle or it could have come later. It's called, uh, so it's called Credo. And the subtitle is, uh, or on what is to be done. And the setup is this, is that Credo is one of Socrates' students or at least admirers. And he is wealthy. And he's come to the jail where Socrates is languishing, waiting to be executed. And um, uh, so Credo has just found out that the boats that are coming, there, there's this, apparently in, in Athens, they waited, every year they had this festival that kicked off when this boat came from another city laden with goods. And they didn't really know when the boat was coming. It was going to come at like some time, but it had to do with the weather. And when the boat came, they had this big festival. And then when the festival was done, then they could kill the people who were on death row. Was it like the beer boat or something? Yeah, it, came it was like a party boat. All the booze? Yeah, it's a party boat. And um, let me see what even the footnote gives us some sort Sponsored of... Sponsored by the local um, radio station. It's, it's a ship from Delos. 
And for whatever reason, when the Deloth ship comes, uh, there's a party, and then after the party, then you can kind of go about the state's business of like killing people. Yeah, the Deloth booze barge. Yeah, the Deloth. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that sounds awesome. Um, anyway, so uh, Credo has come because his little dudes have spotted the boat about a day away, mm. and so he's like, "Hey, Socrates, the boat's going to be here tomorrow, and you're going to die." And Credo has Credo's come because he is mad at Socrates. He's kind of ticked at him. He's like Socrates. I have come with my... He actually comes and gives him a a mini uh, deliberative discourse. He has a thesis statement. The thesis statement is, we should break you out of jail and bribe the guards to do it and go to um, Thessaly or whatever. Uh, Go someplace. And we should do it for three reasons, says Credo. And he's got his three reasons and he he presents it to Socrates. Um, uh, Socrates weirdly knows that the boat is coming because he had a dream where the goddess told him that he was that it was coming. Um, I just actually want to, um, let's see. Uh, Credo's like, hey man, how did you know the boat's on its way? And Socrates says, I had a dream. Credo says, what was the dream? And Socrates says, it seemed that a certain woman approached me, beautiful and well-formed, dressed in white, and that she called me by name and said, Socrates, on the third th- day thou wouldst arrive in fertile Phythia. And Credo's like, that's a weird dream. Um, so whether or not Socrates is being playful or, or if he actually himself had a dream right. about um, uh, sort of a divine creature coming and telling him that he was going to die and be welcomed into some kind of, well, do you know, Hannibal, do you know anything about fertile Phythia as a, our resident classic uh, expert? Nope. Um, anyway, oh, apparently it's a, um, it's a reference to the Iliad. Um, and if the famous earth shaker grants me a good sailing on the third day, I would arrive in fertile Phythia, says Achilles. Anyway, whatever. Um, so Socrates has this dream. Credo's like, screw your dream. Um, I'm busting you out of here. I've got money to give to the guards. Um, and I've got three reasons why you should do it. So I'm going to read his three reasons uh, from Credo. So Credo comes in. These are, these are three reasons. I'll read it. You guys tell me what they are. Besides, Socrates... You seem to me to be attempting a thing that isn't even just. You are betraying yourself, although it is possible to be saved. And you are hastening the coming to pass of the very thing concerning yourself, which your very enemies would hasten on, and did hasten on in their wish to ruin you. In addition to these things, you seem to me at least to be betraying your own sons too, whom you will leave and abandon, although it is possible for you to mature and educate them. As far as it lies in you, they will do whatever they happen to do by chance. And chance will bring them, as is likely, just the sorts of things that usually happen to orphans when they are orphaned. Now, uh, one either should not have children or should endure the hardship of nurturing in them and educating them. But you seem to me to be choosing the most easygoing course. Instead, one should choose what a good and manly man would choose particularly if one has claimed to care for virtue throughout his whole life. For my part, I'm ashamed for you and for us, for your companions, that the whole affair concerning you will will seem to have been conducted with a certain lack of manliness on our part. Now, he's making reference to the lawsuit. The way the lawsuit was introduced in the law court, even though it was possible for it not to be introduced. The way the judicial contest itself took place, and now this, the ridiculous conclusion of the affair will seem to have escaped us completely because of a certain badness and lack of manliness on our part. Since we didn't save you, nor did you save yourself, although it was possible and feasible if we had been of even slight benefit. 
So see to it, Socrates, that these things be not shameful as well as both bad for you and for us. So he's kind of got three reasons there. I'm also remembering that he has a fourth reason, which is like, listen, Socrates, I'm a pretty rich guy. And if I don't bail you out, if I don't bribe a guard and get you out of here, people are later on going to say, hey, Credo loves his money more than he loved bailing Socrates out of jail. And so Credo's like, you have to think about me in this situation as well. Um, I'm rich. I'm rich. Yeah. And I, I don't, my reputation's on the line. So he gives that reason. So what are the other reasons he gave? He's betraying himself. Is that the yeah, first betray- one? Um, betraying himself and help, helping his enemies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then betraying his sons. Yeah. So your kids are going to be orphans and they're going to have like a crappy, a crappy raising. Right. They're and gonna, the whole way this thing has gone down is not only against justice, but it's darn right unmanly. It is yeah. unmanly. He's basically, yeah, the way I, I, I sort of interpret that is he's like, listen, this, this lawsuit came up and they were like saying we should kill Socrates because he's corrupting the youth. And we kind of wrote it off as like a childish thing. And then it kind of like took on its life of its, lo- of its own and it went to court. And by the time it got to court, it like blew itself out of proportion. And we should have just like manned up and nipped this in the bud when we had the chance. But we kind of like poo-pooed it. And now here you're dying. You're going to die because of it. And he's like, I'm ashamed that I didn't just, like, stomp this little spark out before it became a fire. I mean, he's kind of right. We look back on the men of Athens at that point, and we we definitely think they shouldn't have killed Socrates. Yes. That they made a big misstep. So I think in this, he's probably correct. Yeah. Uh, and I think there's something to it where it's like, well, we didn't realize this was a threat. It just sort of sounded like an absurd thing for someone to tweet out. Yeah, right. And now it's become a thing, and now the trials happen, and you're on death row. How do we even get here I'm ashamed. We were we acted unmanly. So didn't you say that last time that the the vote to convict Socrates of something happened first, and then he was voted to be killed? Yes. So it's almost like they wanted him to be punished, yeah. and just get slapped on the hand. And yeah. instead, now we're at this. Yeah, totally they different wanted to be point. punished, and they're like, basically, it was like, okay, Socrates, he wants you to die. To give us something, and we'll meet you halfway, and we'll, right. like, you know, you have to give us, like, 60 grand, right. and then we'll let you go. And Socrates doesn't play that game. He's like, you should award me the way you award your, uh, the champions of your city, because I'm clearly a champion of your city. And they're like, oh, gosh darn it. <laughs> um, and so then, and his friends, you can almost imagine the head slapping, like, the face palming yeah. his friends are doing in the back of the court. They're like, come on, Socrates. And now they're, yeah. He's yeah. refusing to do the YouTube apology. Yeah, yes, yes exactly. He's, he's refusing to be contrite. He's refusing to say, like, you know, I'll do better. He's not the, like, I'm sorry, I made some jokes I shouldn't have made. I, that's not what this channel's about. I've really <laughs> educated myself on the issues, and I promise, I promise <laughs> to do, do better. better. Yeah. Um, and to, yeah. Anyway, he's not doing the YouTube apology. Correct. He is, he is, um, sort of doubling down and his, now his friends are saying like, listen, we would have paid the court fine. So since we're not doing that, we're going to bribe the guards. And I talked to him already. It's not going to take very much. <laughs> says Credo. He's like, these guys are willing to let you go on the cheap. Um, and, um, and he says, listen, um, uh, you also said Socrates, in your trial that you didn't want to be banished because you didn't want to be an old man continuously getting kicked out of foreign cities because you were annoying. Um, And he's like, but listen, I have some friends in Thessaly and they've already made up a guest bed and they're huge admirers of you and you can come to Thessaly and continue doing your Socratic inquiries and you're not going to get kicked out. You're not going to like wander the desert uh, like a dis- like uh, like Oedipus. Like mm-hmm. you're gonna be able to have a home and have a place. Maybe we can bring your sons there. It's gonna be fine. We don't need to catastrophize this and die. And so, and so um, Socrates is like, okay, cool, thank you. Let's figure this out. Let's um, 
So he, of uh, course, does not immediately accept the Socrates offer to, does not save, immediately his, accept to the save his life. Yeah, right? it's actually really interesting because at the beginning, they're so friendly. Like, they're good friends. They're so friendly to each other. And Credo is roughly a peer of Socrates. He's not young like Plato. No. He's an older man. Yep. And so he and Socrates, like, welcome, see each other and welcome each other warmly. And then as soon as Credo outlines this, Socrates almost is, like, slips. He's not cold, but he slips into, like, okay. <laughs> Let's break this down uh, point by point. You uh, almost hear Creo be like, come on, jeez Louise. <laughs> um, so uh, Socrates says, okay, your eagerness, awesome. I appreciate, I, I love the passion I'm seeing. Right. Um, but he says, um, I not only now but always am such to obey nothing else of what is mine that than that argument which appears best to me upon reasoning. He's like, I want to only do the thing that appears best on reasoning. It doesn't matter what my circumstance is. It should, I'm only going to act if, it's, if I think that it's sort of the reasonable and right thing to do. And so Credo's like, okay, fine. Um, um, so um, the, he says, the, so the first argument is the one about the fact that uh, there's a huge crowd of people that sort of expect Socrates, you to break out of jail. And if you break out of jail, people are going to be like, eh, yeah, we figured that was going to happen. Right. Um, and uh, the, the crowd is sort of thinking that um, if you break out, it's good. And if you do that, you're sort of like honoring your friend because Credo gets to um, – people get to say like, oh, man, Credo, he valued his friendship more than he valued his money. Um, this, is, this, is, this is a good thing. Right. And it's just for Socrates to do this because um, an injustice was done to him. Uh, and so Socrates is sort of like, um, you know – um, retreating to his camp and letting his camp take care of him and going off and licking his wounds. So th this is a good thing that the crowd wants you to do. Um, uh, and then so Socrates comes in. Let's see if I can find it here. Um, um, let's see, sorry. Um, he says... Um, he says, okay, Credo, imagine, um, imagine a gymnast... Um, who has, um, if you're going to raise that gymnast and have that gymnast be healthy, um, are you going to listen to the crowd of people with their opinions about what the gymnast should do? Or are you going to listen to the trainer who has raised, who has made successful gymnasts before? And it's like, it's as a trainer. I'm going to listen to the trainer. And he's like, uh, um, and he says, why, you know, um, um, and, and if it, should a gymnast listen to the crowd when they praise or blame him for his gymnastics, or should he listen to the trainer? And he says, you should listen to the trainer. Um, and Socrates says, therefore, he should fear the blame and welcome the praises of one, but not those of the many. Creo says, clearly, Socrates. He is to practice and exercise then and to eat and drink as seems fitting to the one, to the overseer and expert, rather than to all the others. And Creo's like, yes. Um, he says, well, then, if he, the gymnast, disobeys the one and dishonors his opinion and praises while honoring those of the many who have no expertise, won't he suffer evil? And Creo's like, yeah, he'll suffer evil. And Socrates says, what kind of evil will he suffer? If he listens to people who know nothing about gymnastics and ignores the people, the, the one man who knows about gymnastics, what's the evil he'll suffer? Pudgy and he can't do yes. flips. Right. And he says, the, suffer, the evil he will suffer will be bodily. Yes. And he'll be like, yes, okay. So, fall off the pummel yeah. mm -hmm. So Socrates is drawing an analogy, and he says, I don't want to listen to the crowd-sourced 
ideas about justice of what everybody thinks I should do. I want to listen to um, what, I guess in a sense, the overseer and expert should do. And he says, Socrates says, and if I listen to the crowdsourced opinions of the many, and it is going to bring an evil, what kind of evil is it going to bring to me? And it's not bodily, and Credo says it's going to bring an evil to your soul. And Socrates says, that's right. Um, Come then, if we destroy that which becomes better by the healthful and is corrupted by the diseaseful because we don't obey the opinions of experts, is life worth living for us when it has been corrupted? Surely this is the body, isn't it? Credo says, yes. So, pardon me. Is life worth living for us with a wretched and corrupted body? And Credo says, in no way. <laughs> you don't want to live life, you know, with like a... No way, bro. You don't want to, you don't want to fall off the pommel horse. You don't want to be like carrying a few extra ungymnastic weight. If I, if I can't do flips, what is life for? What is life exactly. for? Exactly, yes. And Socrates says, but is life worth living for us with that thing corrupted which the unjust maims and the just profits? Or do we hold that thing, i.e. the soul, to be more paltry than the body? Whatever it is of the things that belong to us, which both injustice and justice concern. Credo's like, no, no. In no way. But more honorable? Much more honorable. And Socrates says, okay, good. Um, Does this guy never see the traps that Socrates is leading him to? Like, yeah. can he not see down the road a little ways? Right. And be like, okay, so I see where you're going, Socrates. No. <laughs> He's just like, oh, man, how did we get here? Um, yes, no, he, he doesn't see I have been be. proven so wrong, <laughs> Socrates. Um, okay, well, so then, AJ, what's, his, what's Socrates' conclusion then? What's he, uh, what's he leading I'm, towards? I'm obviously not going to listen to the group of the masses, and if I take everyone's opinion for what I should do, I'll be harming my own soul. Yes. So I'm going to listen to what I, I... I just don't know who the master is yet. I, well, I, I, yes, I hope very good. he's going to talk about himself as the master. He doesn't. Is it's it the, the God? Like, it's no, the good. It's, it's the, the oh, good. I thought it was going to be the people who voted, the overseer, like the mass of no, people of Athens. He doesn't know. So well, those f- jokers didn't give him free meals. I don't think Socrates' yeah, yeah, sure. whole life has been looking for the man who knows the good. Right. And he says, I want to listen to the, that guy and do what that guy tells me in regards to the just. But there is no so, that guy. There is no that guy. So what Socrates does appeal to is he appeals to conclusions that they've made about justice in the past to Credo. And so this is the, we're the section here. What, why, not, why doesn't Credo just say like, can I be that guy? Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> um, then Socrates would like tear would him apart, demolish, yeah, yeah, would demolish him with questions until oh. yeah. Um, That's just a recipe for a wasted afternoon. That's true. Um, um, so then Socrates says, "Okay, is it better uh, if if doing injustice corrupts the soul, like doing bad gymnastics corrupts the body?" Right. And if, the, if having a bad body is not worth living, then having a bad soul is not worth living. And Credo's like, yes, that follows. Um, and Socrates comes to the conclusion, um, um, that we should never in any way do injustice. I'm trying to find the best, um, the best section of this. Um, he says that, let's see, um, do we assert that in no way ought injustice to be done voluntarily, or that in one way injustice ought to be done, but in another way not? Or is doing injustice in no way good or noble, as we have often agreed in the past, and what was also said just now? Or have all the former agreements of ours been poured away in these last few days? And altogether at our age, Credo, we old men have long been seriously conversing with each other. Were we unaware then that we ourselves are no different from children? Or is it so for us now? more than ever just as it was spoken then. Whether the many say or so or not, 
and whether we must suffer things still harder than these or maybe milder, does doing injustice nevertheless happen to be bad and shameful in every way for the one who does injustice? Do we affirm it or not? And Credo says we affirm it. So Socrates has this conclusion, this conclusion that whenever you do injustice, it is a, a wrong. It is a damage to the soul. And if you do injustice, even if the doing of injustice is getting you out of a present trouble, like right. jail, um, then that is a wrong thing to do. Um, so now Socrates needs to look at, is breaking the law of Athens unjust in this present situation? Because um, It would seem like it wouldn't be. Again, yeah. If we think that he was wrongly accused of these, we talked about this last mm -hmm. time, if the charges against him are false, then it is wrong for him to be in jail yes. in the first place, right? Yeah, and so and this and, and this is sort of um, uh, the question of, right. of this of this dialogue because yeah. Socrates has been leading Credo along and getting Credo to remember the argument that the, we should never do injustice regardless of what uh, has been done to us. So Socrates, you know, says um, sums it up uh, for those of you following along at home. <laughs> In 49C, Socrates says, then no human being should do injustice in return or do evil whatever he suffers from others. Because if, he, if, he, if injustice is done to the man and the man returns injustice for injustice, he is damaging his own soul by doing that injustice. Right. Um, and Credo says, yes, he does do that. So Socrates basically has this like zero injustice tolerance policy. You will you, we should never commit injustice because in the long run, it's damaging our soul. And Credo is agreeing. And so then Socrates, um, um, so um, yes, uh, so then Socrates presents this. So then they get to the question of breaking the law of Athens. Is breaking the law just or not? Or is it always an injustice to break the law of your city? No. Yeah, this is the, so then, so Socrates, uh, uh, the way he broaches this is he pretends that Law herself is standing in the cell with them. Okay. And that she has come to talk to Socrates. And so, th so this is, here's the section here. Socrates says this. Consider it as follows. What if the laws and the community of the city should come and stand before us who are about to run away, or whatever name we would give it, the breaking out, from here and ask, tell me, Socrates, what do you have in mind to do? By this deed that you are attempting... What do you think you're doing if not destroying us laws and the whole city as far as it lies in you? Or does it seem possible to you for a city to continue to exist and not be overturned, in which the judgments that are reached, like in the court, have no strength, but are rendered ineffective and are corrupted by private men? What shall we say, Credo, to these and other such things? For someone, especially an orator, would have many things to say on behalf of this law if it were destroyed. And I think the law Socrates is talking about is judgments rendered by the courts should be binding. That's mm -hmm. the thing that they're breaking by getting out of there, by, by you know, spending money to, to be corrupted, yeah. to corrupt the guard. Um, many orators would have things to say if this law were destroyed. The law that orders that the judgments reached in trials be authoritative. Or shall we tell them? The city was doing, injust uh, doing us injustice and did not pass judgment correctly. Shall we say this or what? And Credo says, yes, yes. Yeah, of course we, we should definitely that. Yeah. say that. He <laughs> says, yes, this by Zeus, Socrates. So Credo comes in. He's like, listen, the law has not been your friend, Socrates. Right. 
Um, it has done you an injustice. Right. And Socrates is like, what? I'm going to look at law in the face and say, I'm going to break the law because a, an injustice was done to me? And Creator's yes. like, yes. Yes, you should. But we had just earlier um, uh, declared that we should never give an injustice if an injustice is done to us. Okay. And so even if the law of the city has unjustly condemned us to a crime, it would be unjust to break the laws of this, the other laws of the city, which say that um, verdicts should be binding. So just because we have suffered an injustice, us doing another injustice doesn't make it right. Yeah, is that you're kind of a two wrongs is, don't make it right? Kind and of Socrates thing? is basically saying, like, he gives a sort of claim where he says that um, we're lady. I call her Lady Law, just mm-hmm. uh, that she comes in and talks to him, and she says. Or does it seem possible to you that a city should continue to exist and not be overturned in which the judgments that are reached have no strength? So she's basically saying, like, Socrates, if you break the one law, you are essentially being an enemy of the state, which is saying that your laws mean nothing to me. And if that was a universalized agreed good, then Athens and her law would no longer exist, says Socrates. And Credo's like, oh, but it sucks. It sucks for you <laughs> Wait, and is me. It, is that kind of isn't that kind of the Kantian argument that I should I should act as though every action I do yeah, is it, universal universalizing to all men? the ideal, or the uh, the particular? Yeah, I think so. Isn't that Kant? It sounds like it. I mean, that's that's his idea. It yeah. sounds like Socrates is kind of saying that. Yeah, isn't that th- that same thing. Like if I did this, the universalizing ha- the particular. Yeah, yeah, wouldn't what would happen if all men did yep. this? Things would fall to pieces, right? Yes. So he's kind of pre-Kantian. Yes. Or Kantian is post-Socratic. Right. Which is, so oh, he's yeah. right in that sense of <laughs> if everyone yes. gets to pick which laws are the good ones, mm-hmm. you can't have a society. Yes. But we still have laws that change. I don't know. Well, so Socrates is actually going to double down on this, and he's going to give a justification for why we should follow the laws of the city. And the more that I think about it, the, like, crazier it sounds. This it's argument? Just, yes, his argument. Yeah. Not crazy in terms of... Um, of not being cogent, but just in terms of like, it's, it's, um, you put, you put these reasons in the mouth of like the state itself and it's very, well, listen to it. Okay. So Socrates says this, he says, imagine if, um, uh, he says, okay, well, let's say if the law continues to talk to us as Socrates, um, um, let's see where, where do I want to start? Um, The city says, um, come now, what charges are you bringing against us and the city that you are attempting to destroy us by not obeying the laws? First, didn't we beget you? And didn't your father take your mother and bring you forth through us? Tell us then, do you in some way blame those of us laws that concern marriages for being noble? I do not blame them, I would say. What about those that concern the nurture and education in which you too were educated of the one born? Or didn't those laws among us, which have been ordered for this end, order your father nobly when they passed along the command to him to educate you in music and gymnastics? Nobly, I would say. Well then, since you were born and nurtured and educated too, could you say first that you are not ours, both our offspring and slave, you yourself as well as your forebearers? And if this is so, do you suppose that justice is equal for you and for us? Or do you suppose that it is just for you to do in return whatever we attempt to do to you? Now, with regard to your father or a master, if you happen to have one, justice was not equal for you, so that you didn't also do in return whatever you suffered. 
you didn't contradict him when he spoke badly of you, nor did you beat him in return when you were beaten, or do any such thing. So is it then permitted to you to do so with regard to the fatherland and the laws, so that if we, believing it to be just, attempt to destroy you, then you too, to the extent that you can, will attempt to destroy us laws and the fatherland in return? And will you say that, in doing this, you are acting justly, you who in truth care for virtue? Or are you so wise that you have been unaware that fatherland is something more honorable than mother and father, and all the other forebearers, and more venerable, and more holy, and more highly esteemed among gods, and among human beings who are intelligent? And that you must revere, and give way to, and fawn upon a fatherland more than a father when it is angry with you, and either persuade it or do whatever it bids, and keep quiet and suffer if it orders you to suffer anything, whether to be beaten or to be bound. Or that if it leads you into war to be wounded or killed, this must be done. And that this is just, and that you are not to give way or retreat or leave your station, but that in war and in court and everywhere, you must do whatever the city and fatherland bid, or else persuade it what the just is by nature." and that it is not pious to do violence to father or mother, and still less by far to the fatherland than to them. What should we say in reply to these things, Credo? Credo's like, I don't know. <laughs> so what's, so let's sort of summarize, like what's his point? What's he it's, saying? It's Rousseau. He's basically saying, you've given up these rights. Yeah, I have become part of the social contract. Right. I have gotten from my society everything that I wanted from it, and now when it's not quite, quite giving me what I want, when it has declared me knave, I reject it and yeah. all of its gifts. And that is that is exactly what Rousseau said, right? Yeah, we, I, I didn't put those pieces together, but I think you're exactly right. We jump into the social contract in order to receive all of these great things from the state and to protect us from bandits and robbers right. with the understanding that when we turn bandit and robber, we will too be so punished and that it might require our life from us. Like this is this is exactly social yeah. contract. Um, so, so, yeah, Socrates comes in with this and says that... Um, um, you, yeah, you were given all of these benefits and it right. raised you. And just like how a father is going to correct you for your better, you don't get to then turn around and correct your father, right? right? And if the state is correcting you or if the state is pronouncing judgment on you, you don't get to turn around and do the same thing to the state right. because it has pronounced its, its judgment on you as, as something that's begotten you. And there's a line in there, something to the effect of you either persuade to change yes. these rules or you follow them. Or you follow them. Yeah. Now, he, yes, Socrates, so in Plato, or at least with this line of arguing, there is still an avenue open for this, that this, of something that the state is subservient to. So it's not just like the capricious wishes of the state that they get to make the laws and you have to follow them no matter what. Right. There's still an avenue open to persuade the state. And the line was... Um, um, but then war in court and everywhere, you must do what the city and fatherland bid or yeah. else persuade it. What is, the, what the just is by nature. Oh, okay. So as far as Plato or Socrates or however you want to delineate between the two of them is concerned, the state and its laws are still subservient to nature. justice, yeah. the natural justice right. or, or the form of the good. So the platonic form of the good is supposed to um, form the laws of the state. And if, if in the pronouncement, you know, if in the, the sort of deployment of the law or the interpretation of the law, 
is you think it's unjust, you either convince us that it is unjust, and if it's not, you submit to it as if because the state has begotten you all these sorts of things. You don't just get to, like, run away. Right. And um, and you can almost hear Credo being like, but, but, right. <laughs> it's still not, like, it's still not fair. Um, and... Um, and when he's talking mm-hmm. about state, this is a democracy, right? Mm-hmm. So these are – it is actually persuading people to change their mind yeah. about the nature of these laws. Now, he, mm-hmm. when I hear you say state, I keep thinking like an authoritarian – like one person mm-hmm. in control. But this applies in a democratic setting as well. And this was true democracy, wasn't it? Everybody gets one vote kind of? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know the details. I'm sure Graham does. Now, he uh, – yeah, it's true democracy where like the 500, everyone's gotten a vote. And yeah. yes. Now – he does – Socrates does at some point talk about the fact that um, – um, well, he doesn't want to commit an injustice because whether he dies now or dies later, he is going to have to go and be face-to-face with the gods and they're going to say like, hey. Were you just? Were you just? Yeah. And he says, I was until the state which born me and gave me everything pronounced judgment on me and then I left. He's like, how can I – how can, he says, how can I look the gods in the eye yeah. and say that? And he's like, how can I even go to Thessaly and go to your fancy you know, guest room and sit around at the dinner table and talk about virtue right. when I have done an unjust act? He's like, what, what, what grounds do I have to stand on to even care about this? I'm cutting my own feet out I'm, from under me and the stuff that I love to do, which exactly. is talk about the good. Right. Hmm. And he says, and like think through it. He says, um, the state said that I was corrupt in the youth and I came before the state and I tried to persuade them that I was not. And in the end, mm. they, they still said that I was corrupt in the youth. Therefore, I should submit to the, oh, the law of the state. Now, the retort that Credo can give back to, to Socrates is, they didn't listen to your persuasion. They just right. hate you. Right. And it, it is, has nothing to do with reason. It has everything to do with grudge. And because of that, you shouldn't submit to it. And he's like, yeah, but it's still the state. And they've still given me all these laws, and they've still given me all this, all, all these goods, and it would be unjust not to not to follow it. It's even wilder because I'm remembering from your last time that Socrates briefly was in government and mm-hmm. was involved in an unjust persecution of mm-hmm. war generals, mm-hmm. right? Who had lost a war, and, and they were going to basically become they're going they're going to string them up as as sort of like uh, war criminals, yeah, for war criminals losing for, a. For you losing a battle. They weren't mm-hmm. actually criminals. And so he's seen the unjustice that the, the, the state is capable of and still comes to this conclusion. Yeah. So the, the question that I have with Socrates, and this is where we can have a debate, is, is like, is Socrates a noble martyr for the rule of law? Like, he so believes in the organized society that he's willing, that he says, I, I, I'm not going to break the law even when it appears to me to be unjust. But he was literally tried for corrupting the state, right. for corrupting the youth. Um, so is he like this noble martyr for law or is he like – did he get played? <laughs> it depends on if he was actually corrupting the youth. I remember during yeah. that episode, Thomas – Oh, I think he was corrupting the youth. There you go. Yeah. So then I would say he is he is not getting hoodwinked and yeah. he like maybe is a noble martyr for law, maybe, in that he had the opportunity but didn't leave. 
Other than that, he's just a criminal, right? right? He was so, corrupting the youth. So what's right. the argument for the fact that he, hot, which he is, was corrupting the youth? By the way, my favorite of your hot takes. Oh, really? That like, Socrates actually corrupted that Socrates the youth? Socrates was legitimately yeah. killed. Yeah, Socrates, can yeah. you lay it out for this episode too, Thomas? What's your what's the rationale for Socrates he is corrupting t- the he youth? He took all of the like hopeful future politicians and businessmen and turned them into philosophers. And, mm. and Socrates was, the whole point of him asking to be fed for life is because he was Socrates was poor mm-hmm. and couldn't, care for himself and his family. So it took these people who would have been um, a benefit to the city and instead kind of took them off those paths. But he and, caused them to care about virtue. And whereas, and we had said this before, that probably each city has a capacity for one Socrates, but yeah. to have like dozens and dozens of them, you, you reach a point where you don't need um, that many people criticizing things. Maybe people should just build it and make it better. Uh, so yeah, I think there's a, I think that argument is legitimate of the corruption, but the side of um, impiety, that was the other charge he was So given. you don't think that as a young person submitting yourself to that Socratic method is um, a net positive for the soul? Like you think- Maybe do not you as think, a vocation. Like should, I, vocation. should I even be teaching Socrates to my, my seniors? Am I corrupting them by giving them this example? Didn't your, uh, the book we read that you blurbed said that you shouldn't teach Plato at all, so- what? Do you remember the? Uh, I do remember the classical education, Gibbs, right? Mm-hmm. No, 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 the, no, the classical the, um, education book of uh, mm-hmm. um, speeches. Um, should you be teaching him? Sure, I think AJ just answered the question by saying that there's a difference between, um, like, learning about Socrates and the method and committing your life to your your vocation to it. Mm. I think there should be very few professional philosophers. Right? Now, does this re- does Socrates get redeemed for you in the fact that he is willing to die for this? That, um, it, it's blowing my. I mean, again, I've. I'm, I'm aware of these things, but for him to just accept that yeah. when his whole MO is like to question and reject authority and he's now like the state is <laughs> always right. The state is always right. Yeah. I'm going to submit to it. And also he it's also a fear of the gods. Like he, yeah. he has such a desire to do, to never do an injustice. He's right. like, rationally speaking, it is never right to sin. It right. is never right to do an injustice, right. even one that benefits you. He's following through on his convictions. Yes. So, like, you have to respect him for that, but you also just have to be like, my guy, just, like, leave. Like, go to the, whatever foreign country he's offered and, like, think about this for another decade or something mm-hmm. instead of giving in. But it's hard to say that he was wrong to do that. I, th- um, I think the question of whether he was corrupting the youth really hinges upon whether he was asking them all these questions and pointing them towards the good and then saying, now off you go to your vocation, or if he was saying, if he was turning them into philosophers just like himself. Because I think in the latter case, you might be right, that he was turning these people into drains on society rather than aids to society. But on the same token, we don't want a whole bunch of people in business and in politics that have never considered the good and have no framework for the good. Those would be, I would say, far more potentially dangerous than a couple people who need some meals. Yeah. Now, the other thing is that Socrates, as we saw in Euthyphro, Socrates has no tolerance for saying, I am going to accept the, 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 the sort of moral positions on things because it's come to me in the tradition that I've grown up in. Right. Like I, because I've grown up listening to the stories of the gods and I'm going to base my, my life on those stories or, or, or I've grown up listening to Homer and I'm going to base myself on the morals of Homer. Um, Socrates has no time for that being your argument. So you can't just say, I grew up and I've read the sacred texts and I've sort of internalized their ethos yeah. and that's going to be the guide for my life. And I'm going to go, go be a lawyer or a politician. Socrates is going to be like, no, that's, that's trash. You have to think through this from first principles. Right. 
And I think when students read that for the first time, at least even when I read that for the first time, there's a certain amount of, of um, like, yeah, you need to go and think through these things for yourself and go to first principles and like really right. build this up on your own. Right. But then if someone says, okay, well then don't just, don't just accept the, uh, don't just accept like conventional Christian morality or don't just accept you know, an American way of life or don't right. just, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, hey, back <laughs> off. Like, right. um, uh, don't you tell me what not yeah. to accept? Yeah. Um, and so then, then, then it gets a little bit more uncomfortable. Like, Yes, can you actually go back down to first principles like Socrates wants to do and then build up your oughts from there? No. Or do the oughts always have to have some kind of solid ground that can only come through saying like, I'm going to believe this or this or saying this thing exists and this is the thing that I'm going to build myself, my, my f- framework on? Well, I think Plato appeals to those all the time and or at least in in his writings yeah, about yeah. Socrates, they are always saying clearly this thing is a good. And for example, like, yes, it is a good. There is a justice. There is yeah. a thing yes, called there justice. There is a thing called yeah. justice. We want to know exactly what it is, but there's no question that it is there and that there is a natural justice that the state is subject to. If you want to take Socrates to his furthest extreme and say, I need to cut everything down to its core, I mean, that was what, what uh, the existentialists tried to do, what Nietzsche tried to do, and eventually you find nothing, and then you end in the land of absurdism, right? Where he's like, we have a world we cannot make sense of logically without some sort of first principles, and therefore what now? And that's, you know, the the project of Kierkegaard and Camus and all those guys. Like, now that our experiment in doing this with pure reason has failed, what's the fallout, is the question. Socrates doesn't reach that point. Like, again, he reaches this point of, like, total subservience to the state, which is, like, the opposite ethos of the absurdist, right? Uh, absurdism says like, we can't make sense of the state one way or the other. So how are we supposed to live in light of that? Therefore, and then you can kind of get, maybe it's more of a nihilism, but then therefore individuals can do whatever they want to, which isn't Socrates's final point. But but Socrates does leave the ground open that the reason Athens is good is because its laws are based on the, the persuasion of just by nature. So like he has this, this, um, Socrates, it seems as willing to say, to ask the question, are the laws that Athens have set up, are they just by appealing not to the fact that they exist right. because Athens said so, but are they just because they are grounded in the higher thing, which is the form of justice? Right. And Socrates says, yes. And the, so Athens, is it better for the laws of Athens than, you know, the, the, are the laws of Athens grounded in the good? And Socrates says, yes. The laws of Athens have now come down on me. Right. Um, uh, therefore, I'm going to follow them and continue to do justice. I guess the question is, is Socrates, by submitting to the state, is he doing a just thing? Would it have been injustice for him to run away? And so, Thomas, you just said, like, yeah, just bail and leave and think yeah. about it for another 10 years. But I'm being inconsistent. I fully acknowledge that because I, I think there is some good not being captured in the uh, in his survival, like the preservation of life. But, I mean, that then becomes whether the state has the right to take life away. And that's kind of like, I just, I recognize that um, I'm being inconsistent with this. I think the case was decided closely, but probably fairly. um, And then therefore he probably should just submit to it. It just doesn't feel right to say Socrates should die. Maybe again, I keep falling back on, I think it's that distinction between him being uh, um, found guilty of something and his punishment being death. And his body's punished. So yeah. it's not a, propor- the, pro- the proportional punishment I think is that's not what just. It is. So I think it's fine yeah. to say 
Socrates should be punished for something, but probably, but not fine for that to be death. Mm-hmm. So somewhere between free meals and death? Yeah, yeah. I wish he'd gotten free meals as his punishment. That would have been the perfect punishment. Maybe they give him free meals, but they're all just terrible. Terrible meals. Just, like it's all just rotten oatmeal food. Yeah. every I love oatmeal. meal. You don't love oatmeal? No, I love it, but not for every meal. And not for every meal. That's fair. Especially yeah, with no garnish. That's actually thing. an interesting point, and that yeah. doesn't get brought up. Right. The, that, that, and that seems to be like, it's a pretty big technicality yes. is the, is the, proportional, yeah. the proportional punishment. Yeah. That's why you have the appeal system. Um, yeah. But the thing is, there was the appeal system, and Socrates... Um, Did he waive his appeals? No, but Socrates used his... You went through the arguments of what he should do. So he said, I should get free meals, <laughs> but that's probably because I'm a, I'm a massive benefit to the city, <laughs> yeah, like a champion of the Olympics. <laughs> yeah, of course he is, yes. Um, but if you're not going to do that, perhaps uh, I should do the fine of, you can find me what I'm willing, what I'm able to pay. Let's do that. I'm able to pay $30. And then at the end he says, but my students tell me that I should up my request to something like, he says, you know. $60,000. Let's use it as our number. And he says, so I submit that to the court. But the court comes down and presumably, we don't really know why they do it, but they come down they say he should die. Mm. So the court pronounces death. So was it that sassy Socrates sealed his fate by being by saying, "Give me free food," or um, or was this actually was death the the appropriate thing for? Let's be, be honest. Like, remember the crime, the corruption of the future generations of Athens. It's, pretty it's a pretty serious thing. Yeah, that's more serious than like you took a loaf of bread. Yeah, no, that's um, who. That's who even would... more serious than you. Well, than you killed one person. Right. You have corrupted a generation. Yeah. Who would suffer that now? Cardi B. Yeah, you made the joke last time. Yeah, but uh, really, you I made did. That you exact, did. You and, made that exact reference. You are time. kidding. No, I'm no, not kidding. No way. Exactly, yeah. That exactly happened. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad you don't remember. And she I don't had it at all. She had a great tweet about uh, inflation this week. So she, she, she is. So she is. She's educating the masses about. Well, well Cardi, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. And I'm also <laughs> sorry for making the same joke twice. <laughs> I feel so like such a it's right. cad. It's okay. But yes, I mean we don't we don't sort of consider that to be a problem. Correct. You can punish oh, me with free meals. Sorry. Um, yeah, good. I don't know. It's just so the um, so yes. Yeah, so soccer. Uh, it is a pretty serious thing. Yeah. So maybe death is appropriate. Do you think death is not appropriate for that crime, Thomas? Again, I I am acknowledging my inconsistencies here. Of course, death I just or don't, banishment. Yeah, uh, but oh, but he and he said he's not willing to suffer banishment. So that's on him then. Yeah, but the part that I'm not understanding is that it just seems like the punishments are not defined ahead of time as to like what you'll get for mm-hmm. corruption of the youth. And it seems like the 500 people voting have a lot of leeway, and something mm-hmm. in there doesn't seem quite right. Yeah. But now I've, I'm just feel like I'm in technicality land. Yeah. The rest of the dialogue ends with Socrates then going through and refuting that um, it's better for him to be just than to be unjust for his kids. Yeah. Um, it's better for him to be just um, in uh, than to be unjust for the sake of having more Socrates time on Earth. Right. Um, and uh, and he says that I'm going to go and have to talk to the gods. And if I truly have said that I love justice my whole life and my end, my, my, the last action of my life is an injustice. That's how I'm going to be remembered. And that's how Socrates is always going to be portrayed. So he also has – he wants to keep the – the sanctity of his position that he's sort of carved for himself in this world, or he wants to keep the um, authenticity of his, that he wants to be someone who has authentically followed through on his convictions. And so then it just leaves some really troubling questions. Like is the, is someone who is authentic, if someone 
is, a, is authentically wanting to do the good. We, as a society, don't have a place for that person mm. because they're going to be corrupting to the youth because they are going to... Um, it's basically like, yeah, they're going to be grinding people to a halt because they're going to get to the place where they're like, whoa, before I determine whether or not I should go be a lawyer or a politician or a doctor or an artisan or a poet or whatever, right. I need to determine the good and what is and if and, and, and how to do it. And until I do that, I'm not going to move forward. And, and, Socrates, and Socrates never moves forward because he's he always it, looking for it. He does it for 70 years and never yeah. finds the answer to the question. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's almost like he, he comes to the same position that a lot of the existentialists uh, come to, which is like... Pick something. Pick something or, or I know they came to sort of pick something and just be happy with it. Yeah. Socrates even himself never sort of picked something, although he still is himself doggedly devoted to the good. Well, to his even calling. Even to his calling to yeah. find the good in right. the world yeah. I mean, and he, also to not do injustice. He must have some form of it because yeah. he, he knows that he is a benefit to the society when yeah. he says, look, my job is to sting you into yes. virtue. Yeah. Right. So it's not like he still has no idea what virtue is and he's still looking for it. He mm-hmm. has a pretty good idea of some of it, right? He's not going to run away. He knows that the laws are good. He knows what justice is. Mm-hmm. And even in, the, in Plato's Republic, they reach conclusions, right? Yep. It's it's is justice worth is be, is it better to ha- be just truly than to be unjust? Yes. And they reach a conclusion, and, and so, that's what he's appealing to. Then he's like, "Didn't we come to that conclusion?" Yeah. Or? So it is unfair to paint him as yes. someone who's been searching his whole life and found nothing. Yeah. It is fair to paint him as someone who, with those conclusions, is a consistently obnoxious person in the city to the yes. people who want to be getting their jobs done. Yes. So I guess the question is: Is it? Um, uh, can you break the laws of your homeland and still be a just person? Yes, absolutely. Why do you say this, Thomas? Uh, uh, what's, what's the rule? It's that gave you everything. What? It that brought you into this world. That okay. gave you your home and your education. Yeah, that what's the rule of argument that if you Your very up, wife that was you, born in this nation. Well, I'm not going to talk about the United States, but the, the uh, what, there's a rule of uh, argumentation that whoever brings up the Nazis first loses. But mm-hmm. the, like the classic example would be sure. your tyranny. Ar- tyranny, right. And bad laws are put in place where people are going to get murdered. But here's the thing. This isn't a bad law. The law is Don't verdicts should be followed. Yeah. But I'm just saying if if there exists any law for which we should not follow, then there could be laws that we shouldn't follow. Does that make, like, it creates the category. So do you think that we should have corrupting the youth laws? Uh, see, no. Uh, no. You don't think that? We have, we do have laws about that. Yeah. We, we have, have, like, ratings lo- I mean, of movies. We have obscenity yeah. laws. Yeah. Right. But we, we don't have... put people to death for making those movies. Like, we can think they are corrupting influences that youth will still see, and we don't put people to death who make them. We do put people in jail for exposing themselves in places where sure. they shouldn't. And yeah. like there, there, there are things that we do with those laws. And I, I, sure. I think that is just sheer progress to say our punishments are now more commensurate to the crime that is being done. Sure. But we don't have a category for these ideas are bad. And that's the, again, just the fascinating thing about this. Like it's, so should they have put Socrates in jail until he died? Mm. Is that better? Again, I, like I, wa- I want to say no, but I'm having mm. trouble finding where that is. Let me maybe, maybe give him like an area of town. Like you get the park, Socrates, and if people don't want to, you know, hear all your business, they yeah. don't go to the park. And maybe we say no kids allowed in the park until you're 13. And at that point, you can go talk to Socrates, but none before. And that. he's gonna like you know, blow you away, and and he's and you're gonna like go through this 
you know, the, the, the thing that every undergrad philosophy major goes through, which yep. is like, the world's a phony place. Well, but really, I feel like tw- probably 20 years old is maybe the exact right spot for so- when you think you have it all mm-hmm. figured out, but you need to be broken down a little bit. So yep. maybe you have them go work at the college for college sophomores. So there's a good question. Good. Is this what Socrates does? Does is that a um, a stage of human development? Like. I always get the sense that Socrates is a young man's philosopher. Like he is the person sure. that like people he even says, yeah, the youth love me because they love watching me own noobs. No, own the noobs. <laughs> own the own the libs. <laughs> own own the people on campus who think that who say that they know something. Right. Um and then you have to grow up at some point and like put you know, and play your chips mm-hmm. and actually like take a stand and and um and and uh, have suffer the consequences of your decisions. Whereas it seems like Socrates is willing to not do that. Mm-hmm. Socrates is willing to be to sleep on your college. He's basically live, willing to be a college student the rest of his life, yes. even though he has family sleeping on people's couches, sleeping on people's like, couches, yeah. and um, like not providing and for not pro- and not sort of benefiting society in any way. Yeah. Even though he says, no, I'm totally benefiting society. I'm like doing, you know, I'm I'm creating these awesome threads on Reddit. Yeah, blogs about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and it's, uh, so is there, yeah, maybe, the, maybe AJ's point is, is, is a good one. There is a place for it. Yeah. I think uh, and we do that. We do have the place for it. We have the college campus, right? Soccer, right. that's, we do have a place in town that mm-hmm. you're not allowed to go to until you're Yeah, it's, it's the college, and, college campus, your freshman philosophy class, mm-hmm. where you need to be disabused of all of your silly notions of the things you think you know in error. Mm-hmm. And then maybe it needs to happen again, maybe your mid thirties when you think you got it all figured out and... I bet I think that happens naturally, right? When you hit your mid-30s and you're like, oh, my parents aren't stupid. Mm-hmm. They kind of have things figured out and I might actually need their advice. Right? I think that might be a natural thing, but maybe right around 20 years old is when you need to be sat back down and told you don't know everything. It's just funny because I could imagine then that person from 20 to 30 wandering while trying to follow Socrates and then at 30 realizing, actually, the generation above me kind of has things figured out mm-hmm. more than I realized. And there might not be some deep philosophical reason. It could just be it's great to get married and have kids. Like there's no, there's mm-hmm. nothing more yeah. underlying it than just that. So, uh, yeah, I think that's what we mean by saying Socrates didn't take positions. He did, but he's still asking too basic of questions at 70. Like, is that the, yeah, yeah, maybe. Uh, or, um, or is he's just fundamental. Of he's questions? not, he's not comfortable enough acting on like 80% information. Yes, right. Hmm. He has to have the one hundred. He has to have the wonderful. He wants. Way. He has to have the form of the good in his yep. hands before, before he will go. Yeah. Um, and you never will have the form of the good in your hands. Right. You don't um, think so? I don't think so. At least not fully. Oh well. I mean, um, I think if Socrates talked to Christ, <laughs> if Socrates was able to talk to Jesus, and Socrates realizes that f- the form of the good was actually a person that you have relationship with, that would change everything for Socrates. I think there's sometimes when you can have the form of the good and you can know what's right, and, and I certainly think there's times when you just have to make a decision, right? When, mm-hmm. when when things are gray and you need to pick one or the other, and because that that is better than doing nothing. Mm-hmm. But there are times when I know that what is good, and I can either choose to do it or not. Is that different? Because that's the knowing the right action as opposed to this ideal form isn't but uh, but i would say that i know the right action because i know the ideal form of what is right maybe now so we were being a little uncharitable to socrates saying that he doesn't have any sort of function in society he still believes that 
like what AJ was saying, that the gadfly. Like he still feels like he needs to sting the lazy person who is in power to a heightened sense of awareness of the stakes of their position and to like love the good, right? He wants the politician to be someone who uh, realizes that he can't just sort of like shoot from the hip, but he has to be following a higher, a higher conviction of the good, right? <laughs> and, that, and that seems to be fair. I mean, and that's like, what, is that the preacher? Is that the, what, 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 where does that exist in society's days? Sure isn't the philosopher on college campus. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure where that person is now. I'm just thinking. Then you saying that is reframing then his decision to accept the death, his own death, because it's his way of calling out the politicians that did that to him in the first place. Yes, I mean it's his last. It's his last. Um, sticking it to them. Sticking it to them. Yeah. And if he didn't do it, he kind of undoes all the work he's done before. Yeah, right. So he's kind of has to in order that. He can stand. He can be the city's the martyr. He can stand right. up as a symbol of, of of sort of dedicating yourself to the higher things. Right. Um, anyway, so yeah, yeah, I wonder if he wouldn't have died for it if he would have ended up kind of in our history books as a Diogenes character, just like an annoying dude. Just yeah, sort of the Reddit troller of philosophy. Yeah, yeah, philosophy. I think so. I mean, there there is a um, like a sanctifying of his mission by the fact that he's willing to mm-hmm. die for it. Right. Um, yeah. That and it, it seems like he recognizes that because he's like, "What do I do if I go to Thessaly and talk about virtue?" And everyone's gonna right. be like, "Aren't you that guy that ran away from the law that said that you should die for corrupting the kids?" Right. He's gonna be like, "Yeah, about that." But I could just see him also then saying, "Unjust laws exist, therefore we should watch out for unjust laws." Like, I could see him making the opposite argument and still being remembered well. I I agree with you that it heightens things that he chooses to die for what he believes in, mm-hmm. but I just I don't think it rules out. He could have made the opposite argument, and I don't think it would undermine everything he said if he then escapes death at the very end. Yeah. Um, the other sort of chilling thought is, does I um, does Socrates's dogged love of the good create in him the potential for being? having sort of coming to this like fascist conclusion about following the state. Like Socrates as the prisoner is saying this and it has a certain amount of nobility, but imagine right. if this was Socrates, the like president right. saying that like the state raised you, the state, uh, you, you, you are its child, its slave, and you cannot give back to the state what the state is giving to you in terms of like punishing you for your betterment. Right. We look at the, we would listen to that and be like, Nope. Oh gosh. Yeah. We got a Bonhoeffer this thing. Um, <laughs> it, is, it is this, if it's, if it's him, then that sounds like tyranny. But if he is saying, this is a democracy of your, your countrymen, there are 500 of us and we're the most respected men yeah. in town. And we have, we have raised you. We brought you in. We have provided yeah. for you. And you t- have snubbed your nose at us. And this isn't like, this is all of us together saying you have done a wrong thing, not Socrates himself saying So it. give me the difference between the tyrant saying that and the philosopher king saying that, if they're both saying the same thing. Well, the philosopher king or the tyrant? The both. If, 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 if the, the philosopher, philosopher king, king is saying it for the your good and the good of the state, the, mm-hmm. the tyrant is saying it for his good. Um, so uh, it needs to be able to be persuaded that it is conforming to the good. Like, the, the, that's what Socrates... The, the, so, yes. Yeah. yeah. And the philosopher king would never step outside doing that. 
Right. Whereas the tyrant doesn't get Or at least the philosopher king would be trying to pursue the good. Yes, the, okay. the, tyrant, the tyrant is trying to pursue his own ends, and that is the difference. So then even in the state of the philosopher king, there would be avenues open for someone to appeal to natural justice. And if, in case the philosopher king was wrong, whereas in the tyrant state, those appeals power. would either not happen. So then there's, this, this that's a great question. Is Socrates living in a tyrannical Athens, or is he living in... A virtue in, in a virtuous act. He's living, living in a democratic one, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I, I don't think the it's second last. Tra- the second last one. Exactly. It's it's in bad shape because, as he's talked about in the Republic, that's that comes right before tyranny. Yeah. I mean, it's because it is the kind of chaos that yields tyranny, mm-hmm. and so I don't think he's living in something that is tyranny or is super dangerous. And he has had his chance at appeal, right? But he isn't appealing to a philosopher king, someone that can converse with him on the topic, he's conver- He's appealing to men who are petty and small and may eventually be ruled by a tyrant. So right? then is it safe to say that if Socrates was living in a true aristocratic society, so a society ruled by the good, that he his appeals to the good and that this is un- an unjust kit murder, that he would have... So if Socrates lived in an aristocratic society, he would have got free meals. Uh, I think they would have said the free meals thing is ridiculous, but we are going to fine you that $20. Gotcha. Okay, fair. And then if Socrates lives in a tyrannical society or a democratic society, it's you've you've ticked off the wrong 380 people. of the 500 guys in this yes. room and now you're going to die for it. Yeah. And then I'm, in the tyrannical society, it's like you've ticked off one guy. <laughs> he would have yeah. been killed long yeah. before this. He would have been killed long before this. Yeah, that's what I yeah. thought. He yeah, he would have sassed that one guy and the one guy and been like, nah, not today. Yeah. But in, in all of those societies, Socrates is still doing the same thing and he's going to get punished. Well, but as we have said, he he was doing a wrong thing. He broke yeah. the law. Dang. I don't know. That's a hard one. It's hard to swallow. Do you disagree? I mean, there's part of me that just wants to be like, Socrates is doing a good for the city and should be rewarded. And then there's a part of me that's like, you're right. He is grinding these kids to a halt. Like, they're not going to go off and, and reach their potential. Um, what I like of how the the character of the Socrates in cities gets played out in the history of English literature is that you have the idea of the court jester or the fool. The person who is allowed to say what is true and unmask the hypocrisy of those in power, but he does it, he doesn't lose his head because he can do it in that sort of charming way that Socrates lacks. And he can do it in kind of the like, he can say it, Without and the king being like, "Oh, you're so right. I'm crazy." <laughs> and um, and um, um, you're right. I kind of am tyrannical. You, you, you little scamp. Right. Um, Although I feel like the the free meals thing was kind of just, that yeah, same. So kind maybe of charm. Socrates is kind of the fool, and like you know, the fool can get away with it in better forms of government, and then the fool is the first to the chopping block once tyranny starts to come. Yep. That's probably it. Once things start to sour, he's, yeah, yeah. he's the, uh, canary. the canary in the gold mine, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> awesome. Anyway, that's that's Credo, and that kind of um, puts a, I think puts a, wraps a little bow around our our Socratic death uh, trinity. Well, no, still, tri- tri- trilogy. Isn't there still another one? There is another one, but that's where they debate the immortality of the soul, and it's okay. good, but it 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 doesn't really sort of ask these main questions, and we kind of already talked about it in the apology. That's a good point. Is it Phaedo? Is that the if last one? I think it's Phaedo. Yeah. We do get the death of Socrates in yes. that. But in the Apology, he's given the argument for why death is not a big deal. And he kind of talks about that in the in the 
and in, th- in the immortality of the soul, fatal one. And I think we talked about that in the Republic too. I yeah, think it's in the yeah. last chapter or so. I think yeah. he talks about the immortal soul again. I, I could be wrong on that one. It's been a while, but he's like, I didn't make this. I just discovered it. And if I discovered it and I know it, the thing that discovered and known must have known it before, and that thing must be eternal. Anyway, it's one of those arguments. Sure. So, what are the other? Are there four texts in the? Book so, in the book that I'm holding is four texts on Socrates, and the last one in this book is. Uh, Aristophanes' Clouds, Mm -hmm. which is the play that was essentially the hit piece that became the meme in everybody's brains about who Socrates was. And presumably, you know, 300 out of those 400 guys only watched Socrates and Aristophanes were like, oh yeah, this guy has to be stopped. Um, So it's the equivalent of, you know, um, you're just watching like this this, uh, sort of um, YouTube video of all the greatest hits of like the Joe Rogan podcast where he says dumb things being right. like, ooh, this guy's trouble. It's the right. South Park version. Yeah, yes. yeah. That's good. <laughs> or whatever. Good yeah. Anything else? That's it. That's good. Well, thank you very much. This has been Classical Stuff You Should Know. You can find us online at classicalstuff.net. You can find us on Twitter at classicalstuff, C-L-S-S-C-A-L I like how stuff. you say it, like how it's spelled. It's cool. stuff. Is that even clearer? It's good. Uh, you can find us on YouTube, youtube.com slash classicalstuff. Yeah. Thank you all for those who have subscribed on there. It's much appreciated. You can find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash classical stuff. Wow. That's where we have our in-between episodes, our monthly AMAs, which are Ask Me Anythings, where our patrons can ask us questions that we will answer. And what have I forgotten? Uh, our email, the guys at classicalstuff.net. I don't think I said that. Anyway, thank you all for listening, and we will see you all next week. Bye. Bye.